0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Life Podcast. My name is Kayla, and I am your host. And today we have somebody special on our podcast. Her name is Haley, and she's actually one of my co-hosts for One Thousand Hours Dry. Hi, Haley. Hi. Why don't you tell our listeners a little
1: bit about you? So, my name is Haley, obviously, um, and I am 28 years old. And I decided to give up alcohol like 18 months ago, and Honestly, it's been one of like the biggest blessings in my life just because I feel like it's opened up so much more of who I am and really allowed me to kind of step more into my authentic self. So aside from not drinking, I live like a healthy lifestyle and I actually help people with workouts and nutrition and make those same lifestyle changes for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm married. I've been married for five years now and... Yeah, that's just like a quick little clip notes. Exciting. Well, I know that you said,
0: you know, that your lifestyle is pretty health and wellness rounded.
1: Mm-hmm. Was that
0: the case before you stopped drinking or have you always been, you know, a fitness junkie?
1: Yeah, so I was drinking even when I was into working out and eating healthier, Um, Back then, I didn't really kind of see the correlation between living a healthy lifestyle and being Mm alcohol-free. But now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, I see how drinking and health and wellness are totally contradictory. Um, But yeah, I mean, even when I was working out and eating healthier before, I was still drinking. And I feel like that was like the one thing holding me back, you know?
0: Do you think that you've reached – more of your like fitness and wellness goals because you stopped drinking, whether that be like physical fitness, mental health, um, emotional well being?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely like the emotional well being. I can't really say I've struggled much with like mental health issues, like Mm -hmm. anxiety or depression. Um, but drinking was something that just didn't make me feel good about myself. And I just feel like that's so much about what health and fitness is, is feeling good, feeling confident, and just like, kind of living that life. And I just like, I don't feel like alcohol fits into that. So definitely, since I removed it, I've become so much more confident. And it's, yeah, it's just like, it's part of my lifestyle now. And it's so crazy, just to think that it was so different for me before, you know?
0: Definitely. Because I'm I'm similar. I, I've i always been an athlete. And fitness mm-hmm. has always been part of my routine. I can honestly say I definitely worked out less when I was, like, harder into partying, like, in college yeah. and stuff. But I was still, you know, a gym member. I was still active. Um, but it's hard to be, I think, as motivated and as, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Disciplined. Yeah. When when you are dealing with you know hangovers or you're planning on being out late, it's all these things that it's not even necessarily about the drinking itself. It's like you have to plan everything around like the that that lifestyle, the drinking yeah. lifestyle,
1: and that yeah, for be sure. difficult. Well, I even feel like like I can think back to like my early like late high school days where I was playing soccer. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I started drinking. And I actually remember going to a party one time and me and a bunch of my team members got really, really drunk and we had a game the next morning and our coach found out that we had been drinking and we lost that game. And I just remember him being like, you guys can't do that to yourselves, you know, Yeah. It's like you can't show up. It's so ironic when you look back at it now as like a real
0: adult you know not like an 18 year old adult because I'm the same age I'm about to be 28 and you're looking back and you're like I was just kind of you know not not to say that I want to make fun of but I was laughing when we were uh driving back to his apartment the other night and the bars were hopping nothing had closed here again now they're closed but There's this, like, really dive bar that all, like, the college kids go to. And everyone's, Mm -hmm. like, making out outside. Oh, my God. And just, you know, like, being ratchet and, like, been there, done that. Like, you know. But it's just so funny looking at it from, you know, the other side of the spectrum and just being, like, nothing about that looks appealing to me anymore. No. I
1: know. I think about it, too. Like, I say, like, I have the beer goggles off. mm -hmm. it's, It's so funny to just look at things like that and be, like, whoa like I really did that. And like, I thought that that was like, fun, you know, totally. It's, it's just crazy. Well, and it's like, I don't think it comes from a
0: place of like negative judgment. But I was even talking to my boyfriend earlier, because we both follow this page. It's called the Newport Savage. And it's, it's like a meme, funny page for people who live in the Newport Orange County area. And yeah, all, all it's really doing is like, you know, like making fun of you know, there's a stigma around living here and it's definitely kind of accurate. Um, But it's a lot of, you know, um there's a lot of cocaine here. There's a lot of partying, you know, that and there's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And all together, that usually sells for trouble. But it was just funny. I was, you know, reading some of the comments and some of the the younger girls on the on the page were commenting about how they had, you know, how they're like 86 from all these bars like, oh, nobody can go to social now. Ha ha. And I was like, I remember in college when I used to get 86 from bars for like, you know, getting arrested or being too drunk. And I thought it was like the coolest fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And now I look back and I'm just like, what? Why did I think that was cool? Like, what kind of badge? But but at the time, it really was kind of a badge. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
1: it's like this badge of honor. I I mean, I remember like getting so drunk to being the point of like just like belligerent drunk and just doing stupid things. But kind of, like, feeling like it was – it made me more social. And I feel like people – it gave you something to talk about and, like, something to laugh about. But in reality, it's, like, does that feel good? Like, is this something that feels good? And is this, like, the type of person I want to be,
0: you know? Exactly. And I know you said you're married. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, were you dating – your hut and your now husband when you were drinking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um we've been married for five years and I have only been living alcohol free for about a year and a half. Um okay. and so it's actually really interesting for me now to kind of look back on our relationship and realize how much alcohol did kind of affect it negatively. Um And it's always something, like, my husband, like, accepted. Like, he was never, like, you need to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. But my drinking was problematic in our relationship. Like, I even think about, like, my wedding. I blacked out at our wedding. And, I mean, that's something that obviously was probably not fun for him. Like, I'm completely belligerent. Like, we get to our hotel. I'm, like, literally, he, like, loses me while he's trying to check in. And I'm like, oh, no. oh, I'm trying to walk home. And, like, right. <laughs> it's just, like, thinking thinking back to that, I'm just, like, oh, my God, who was that person? And why did I continue to, like, let myself do that? Um, but even, like, in our marriage, like, I've done some stupid things that I'm not super proud of, like, that weren't fair to him, you know? So, Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, I know that not drinking is like beneficial for our relationship, but it's just sad to think back at kind of how detrimental it was and how I didn't really see it for what it was, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm in a very similar boat. I've been on and off with my boyfriend for a while now, but we've known each other since high school and we actually went to the same college. So we've known each other for 10 years. He knew me, you know, in that phase of my life, he was even somebody who had to call the cops on me once. And, Cause I was, I did a lot of, I liked to like mix Xanax and alcohol. So that's like, you know, not the best combo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I look back, I do, I think that there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt still there around like, Oh my gosh, why did you put up with so much? Yeah. And like, how could you kind of still love and care about me after I did all those things. But I, I think we're very, lucky to to be with people who saw past you know all the hurt and all of the projection that was going on when we were drinking and saw who we actually were and gave us that chance to get better because i know when i talk about it with my boyfriend you know he said the moments that we were together and hung out when i wasn't drinking were so great and he just knew i had it in me and that it, i would eventually realize that drinking was not for me and And that makes me feel good that he always knew that. And I'm also lucky because his dad was actually sober before he passed for like 20 years. So he has that experience with a sober person, you know, and he's a little, you know, an an AA baby. So I, I think... We're very lucky to have people who support like support our sobriety because I don't think everybody is necessarily in that situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could imagine it would be really hard to be in a relationship where somebody didn't understand why you decided to stop drinking or why you wanted that for yourself.
0: Do you? I mean, since you got sober, do you think that your husband's relationship with alcohol has changed? Like, has he had to stop drinking or drink less or you know anything like that?
1: Well, so I think it's actually interesting because I feel like he has kind of been setting the example for me. Like, while he's not sober and he will have a beer every once in a while, like I said, we've been married for five years together for eight. I've seen him drunk three times, like literally three yeah. times since we've been together. And he's always been the person who could take it or leave it. And for me, that was really hard. Like Mm -hmm. if I was at dinner or I was with friends, like I would always take it and he would just know I'll take a Sprite. I'll have a root beer. Like he never had a problem saying no to alcohol, whereas I did. So honestly, like we just went on vacation to (laughs) Vegas and I was thinking about it and I was like, he didn't drink the whole time we were on vacation either. So I don't feel like it's been much of an adjustment for him. Um, besides the fact that he doesn't have to deal with me drunk, you know, like, yeah. so.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's great. And I, I feel like of all the conversations I've had with people about this topic, you know, it's, it's very, there's a huge spectrum, you For know, sure. some people are dating other sober people. Some people are dating, you know, people who can take it or leave it, which I think is kind of the ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause even sometimes I've dated other sober people and it can get very heated. Like if you're, if you're not running the same kind of sobriety program, yeah. Um, if you're, you know, t- counting the, the resentment, I think builds a little bit, um, it's a little heavy, but like for my boyfriend, he's still, he still likes to party and, you know, I don't think that's bad. I get it. We're still in our twenties, you know, but it's been amazing how uh, I guess the word would be uh, maybe accepting or he's just been really good to me in the way of, and it, and it took me a long time because we see a couple therapists just Mm. because like I have a really hard time communicating what I want directly. Like I like to be very passive aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's easy for me to, you know, like make a big deal out of something instead of just saying, Hey, this is making me feel this way. Yeah. And obviously we all have things we have to work on, but, one of those things was I would really, you know, appreciate if you would drink less around me or, you know, if we go out, if we come home, don't drink when we get home because I want that time to be for us, mm-hmm. not about the alcohol. And I, I would hope that, you know, whoever's listening to this and if, if they're in a similar situation, they can kind of take the courage from this because I was like dead afraid to ask him that because I in my mind, as someone who had a problem with alcohol, I was like, that seems so controlling, I'm going to seem so demanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, I'm going to freak him out. And then he's going to want to do the opposite of what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in therapy, I was able to just directly communicate, like, instead of over explaining it, instead of saying, like, you know, it makes me feel this way, or you're, uh, you know, you're triggering me or like the the Carl Young shadow self, you know, you're, you're making me realize all the worst parts of myself. Yeah kind of a thing, I was able to just ask him straight up. And he just said, yeah. And then ever since then, he's really been, you know, good about his intake. And, you know, similar to your husband, it's like, he doesn't need to have a drink. If he wants one, he can have one. But he's lucky enough to kind of have that choice. But I think a lot of people in early sobriety, especially like if you're dating, or your partner is somebody who drinks, yeah, you know, navigating that without Kind of, you know, keeping your side of the street clean if you're going over into everybody else's, it can be difficult and it can come off as controlling when sometimes you just need to like stand your ground and be like, these are my values now. I need you to respect them and I need you to support me. And this is how you can do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think like with anything, setting boundaries like that and being willing to communicate what it is that you need. Is so important, especially like in early sobriety, Mm -hmm. being able to tell people like, you know, I really don't want to drink or this is something that is triggering me. And I would appreciate if we could leave the party early or something like that. I think it's just nice to have somebody else on board who understands what it is that you're experiencing and why you're asking them to do the thing that you're asking them to do.
0: Yeah. But. I mean, I think relationships are just complicated. They're complicated when you're drinking. They're complicated when you're sober.
1: But Mm -hmm.
0: I think they're definitely more manageable, at least for me, without the alcohol.
1: For sure. Yeah, I couldn't imagine like if Dustin was partying like crazy, coming home drunk. Like it just I think, like you said, like the shadow self, it would be because it's a reflection of parts of myself that I, I don't like, you know.
0: Yeah. But it, it's, I think the forgiveness, the self-forgiveness, it's such a process.
1: Yes, it is. What do and you really- feel like has kind of helped you with that?
0: Um, I mean, let's see. I've been sober now for almost four years. And mm-hmm. I think honestly, the first step was taking responsibility for my actions. And that was really yeah. difficult because when I first got sober, I was in AA and that that's how I ran my sobriety program for about my first year and a half. And then I left because I just didn't feel like I was progressing in the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And part of that for me was taking responsibility, true responsibility and not saying, you know, oh, it's a disease that I have. It's not really, you know, that wasn't me. It was kind of saying the opposite of those things and saying, well, even though, I may have not been conscious in some moments considering, you know, my drugs of choice. I, I did make those decisions. And even with all the consequences I had, I still kept going, you know, so I hurt those people and I need to make up for that. And really, you know, the best apology is that changed behavior. And so the only way for me to do that is to not drink. And so once I love that, I think once I was able to, to own that, and to really be like, you know what, I don't ever consider myself a bad person, but I definitely did bad things. Mm -hmm. And every day from now on, I have the conscious choice to wake up and do something good instead, then I can kind of change change my narrative. Yeah. And so you know, it's not a tit for tat thing. I think everybody loves a comeback story. And there are always going to be people in your life who don't forgive you. But it's going to be harder if you don't forgive yourself first. And I think it it makes it easier for others to forgive you. And also I think to attract new relationships into your life, once you get sober, like healthier relationships with people who are more like-minded. And I think there's a big difference when you're around somebody who's confident and who knows themselves and who has forgiven, like has forgiven themselves and owns who they are and who they were versus when you're around somebody who hasn't gone through that process yet and there's still a lot of healing to be done. Because there can sometimes, I think, be a lot of negative energy around that and we don't even notice it. Yeah. But I mean, I think one of the things you said when you were introducing yourself to us is, you know, fitness is a big part of your sobriety. And even before that, what would you say about fitness versus any other kind of vices that people choose to do instead of drinking what made you choose fitness
1: I think for me like it's it's just something that is an outlet for stress and anxiety and emotion and it's something that I can kind of count on every single day to be there to kind of help guide me and set my intention for the day you know I always like start my morning with a workout because I want to be intentional about how I feel and the energy that I bring to the day. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like exercise, like taking that time in the morning for myself, it allows me to go into the rest of my day with intention, like knowing that I've done something good for myself. Cause I'm kind of the type of person that like normally would put myself on the back burner and do everything for everybody else, like what everybody else needs. And That often less like left me feeling anxious and overwhelmed and annoyed with the relationships in my life. So like a small shift like that and just taking care of myself in the morning. I also do this through like reading and journaling and Mm -hmm. stuff, but it just it allows me to know that I'm taking care of myself and I can just pour from the overflow. So I don't end up feeling as drained throughout the rest of the day. And I don't feel like I need something to cope. Like, I don't feel like I need to go have a drink because I'm so irritated with so-and-so in my life, you know? Totally. And I just, I feel like it's something I can be intentional about. It's something that's there for me. It's something that gives me endorphins and like helps me feel good, but also just helps me feel confident because I feel strong and grounded and I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's like the best thing that you can do for yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I mean, I am a total fitness junkie, like even above alcohol-free and so- sobriety lifestyle. Like I would say fitness lifestyle is even more of my life than sobriety yeah. is. And I know that we've posted about this before on our page, but, you know, Women's Health Magazine had written an article about, I think she was runner about but about how running you know saved her from her addiction and it may have been heroin but um the studies and i and i can find the article but the studies basically said that people who exercised regularly in their sobriety were 70% less likely to relapse and it's like that wow. is a huge number you know that's not like 20% or even 50% like that is the majority of people mm-hmm. and that in itself I think should motivate people. And I'm not saying, you know, you need to go and do a legree class or go and go to soul cycle because, you know, those can be very intense, especially if you're not someone who exercises regularly and that can be intimidating. Like I even know for, for me, for the first time, like I went to like an intense spin class, even as an avid, like exerciser. I'm like, oh my God, like I thought I was in shape. Like, just kidding. (laughs) Like, (laughs) look at these people. This is crazy. Um, Yeah. But finding, finding like an exercise that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. and that works for you. And I think we're lucky enough to live in this age where it's like, it's not just a regular gym or going for a run. There are like so many options boxing, spinning, Pilates, yoga, you know, personal training, going on a walk. Like, And now there's all these things you can do at home, you know, they're making everything accessible. Um, But it's also about getting out of your comfort zone. So I I would say, you know, don't just like that was one big thing for me when I went to rehab and and got out. I had like serious anxiety, serious social anxiety. And one of the biggest things that got me out of that was going to the gym regularly. Mm -hmm. And at first I wouldn't talk to anybody, only my personal trainer and my mom would have to come with me. And eventually I got comfortable with the personal trainer and I was able to just, you know, be there with him, but it was just being open about why I was really there and what motivated me, which was, I don't want to feel like this ever again. I never want to be back in this spot where I feel like totally hopeless. I hate where I'm at. And exercise to me, it was like, like you said, it, it, it not only builds your confidence, but it, it gave me everything that I was missing, that alcohol never did. Yeah. And it's so cyclical because it's like, even if you're somebody who exercises and drinks, it's like an unfinished kind of loophole, you know, because you're always going to have days where you're hungover, so you're not going to be able to finish. Or your body just in general, you're not performing at your 100% because you're, you have toxins in your body, mm-hmm. you know? And I think even if somebody who only drinks on the weekends Or, you know, you're you have your girls' wine night, like it it doesn't matter. You know, you're still putting that in your body and your body's not going to be able to perform at its peak. And so the difference between that and then when you start exercising at your full potential, it's like your workouts get better. You get more endorphins, you know, and then you're even more stoked about your next workout. And I think it it's not even about aesthetics. Of course, that helps, you know, you're losing weight you feel better about the way that you look physically and the way you feel. But for me, it was like, I actually got stronger and I could feel it and I could see it. And I I was like, holy shit, like I can do real pushups now. Yeah. You know, I can do a pull-up. Like these are things I never, ever thought that I could do. Even at my peak top moments, like even when I played lacrosse and was getting like scouted for colleges, like I still couldn't do it because I wasn't 100% committed to my physical fitness you know Mm -hmm. because I was still drinking
1: yeah well I like how you kind of talked about how fitness um what I don't know if you can hear feedback um never mind it went away okay um but I like how you talked about just how you can build confidence through just going to the gym like getting over your social anxiety by doing something that gets you out of your comfort zone. That's something I can 100% relate to because even when I like started working out, there were so many things that I was like terrified to do. And like, if it was something new, I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to suck at this. But I just think like stepping out of your comfort zone and being willing to try something new is such a great way to build your confidence. And I don't know, I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with giving up alcohol. Because since I've stopped drinking, that's something that's built my confidence. And so I just feel like they pair so well together, like fitness and living alcohol free. Yes. It's funny, though, too, because we can see it in the contradictory sense too, like, people who talk about health and wellness, but drink on a daily basis, you know, like, I don't know, it's just it's interesting that it can be so two-sided
0: well I mean I think anybody can say hindsight is 2020 you know mm-hmm. what I mean like you look back and you're like oh that was so silly but it, obviously when you're doing it it doesn't seem so silly or hypocritical
1: you know mm-hmm. because
0: it's so accepted There's yeah I mean for god's sake there's like drunk yoga like that's like a real thing yeah but I, I think about it and you know it's like that poll that I put up that you had commented on and it's like Alcohol is literally more harmful. I think it to people around you, it's the most harmful drug compared to even like heroin and meth. And it is about at the same level as those at those others drugs. So when you're thinking about like what you're putting into your body, you know, nobody wants to think of alcohol as a drug. They want to think of it as a beverage, right? So like Mm -hmm. something that I drink. But then at the same time, everybody's, you know, like in the health and wellness world at least, you know. As we both know, I, like as a personal trainer, it's, it's funny how even though it's not considered a drug, it's not really considered a beverage either because all these people I know that are on diets and that are watching their weight or they're trying to lose weight, they'll cut out all this stuff. They'll go keto, they'll go paleo, you know, they've stopped drinking juice or gluten, but like they don't even think about not drinking. Like mm-hmm. it's not even an option. So it, it just to me, it's like, what is it then? like it's in its own category and the the government and big alcohol and just our society and our culture in general have pretty much, I think, made this statue of it. And it's just like untouchable. And I think that's what really needs to change is like, all right, guys, like it's not just a beverage, it's a drug and it's not untouchable, you know, like, and it, it goes back to the tobacco thing, 50, you know, 60, 70 years ago, but I I say 50. Cause I think it's like 2000. And then I'm like, <laughs> it's 2020. Fuck. Um. So 70 years ago, you know, nobody thought, you know, Oh, smoking is going to be totally like canceled. People were smoking when they were pregnant. Yeah. You know, now it's like, okay, people still smoke, but even smokers will tell you like, it's a nasty habit. Mm-hmm. So it's like,
1: They're at least aware of exactly. the decision that they're making. You know, one thing, too, just, like, when you shared that research that showed that alcohol was above every other drug Mm -hmm. as far as harm to the users and harm to others, that just, like, gets me thinking, like, somebody in the health and wellness industry might share, like, oh, I'm going to have this glass of wine because balance or whatever, but they would never be like, I'm going to, like, do this heroin, right, (laughs) because balance, like, No, but it's just nobody sees alcohol for what it like really is, because of the way that it's been marketed to us. And I don't know, I just think like you said, like, it just shouldn't be this untouchable thing. And like alcohol, like, it doesn't even require nutrition labels like on there. I know, which I think is crazy. I think it's absolutely insane. And I know some of them will have calories and like Mm -hmm. the nutrition facts and stuff. But just to me, I'm like, this is like something that we're consuming. Like you said, a beverage, but it's not necessarily a beverage because it's not regulated by the FDA, you know?
0: Yeah. It's just, I think it's scary because it's, it's so obvious. It's like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. And then as a sober person, You're like, hello, there's an elephant. You're like talking about it, yeah. And it's like being in one of those case studies where they like try to trick you on purpose and you're like, is nobody else seeing this elephant? Like, am Mm -hmm. I crazy?
1: Well, and then we're kind of led to believe like, oh, well, you're just somebody who can't handle alcohol. Exactly. You're the one with the problem. And as soon as you try to speak up, people want to defend it and they want to defend their choice. But I always think it's interesting too that, like, people will want to take a break from alcohol, but then they, like, literally can't take a break from alcohol. Mm-hmm. And just to me, that blows my mind, too, because I'm, like, we think that it's this great thing, but we literally can't even, most of us can't go two weeks without it.
0: Yeah, There are always, an, there's always an excuse. There's always the, the party, you know, the soiree,
1: the mm-hmm. holiday,
0: whatever. And I get it. Like, I think even when I used to drink, that. I made those excuses to like there's always yes. going to be a reason to not quit mm-hmm. but it's also like now is the best time because like you can't fucking do anything yeah <laughs> like you all, here all the bars are closed again the restaurants are closed again like and I get it you know it can be very like existential to think like oh fuck like for me like I've been out of a job for a couple months now but when I play the tape through, I just think, you know what, there's no scenario in which drinking would solve any of these problems or make any of this situation better. Only worse, only worse.
1: Yes. Well, and it's like, how do I want to show up? And like, ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think it's like, I just want to be the best possible version of myself. And like, as hard as it might be for me to see other people like not see this elephant in the room like ultimately it comes down to like how I want to feel about myself and like what I can control and just like hoping that other people will do that for themselves
0: yeah exactly and that's one thing one of the 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 quotes I guess or it's I think it's a tradition but that Alcoholics Anonymous they really project and say like practice not promotion Mm -hmm. so like we're not going around here and I've noticed this like and that's what I think the dry club is really the foundation is like, we're not out scouting people like our members. Yeah. Our members join us. We're not DMing people. We're not, you know, I've never messaged somebody to critique like what they're doing. Yes. It's just not our way. And it mm-hmm. doesn't work like bottom line <laughs> as somebody who used to drink, like you tell me like, I'm not going to have a drink or I need to slow down. Like, fuck you not happening. Mm-hmm. So I think the people, it's like you said, around you, like when you stop drinking, it kind of starts to rub off to you. Yeah. You know, and I think when my dad, my dad actually did one of the rounds of A Thousand Hours Dry. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's like 60 and he, you know, he drinks, he's a big beer drinker and him and his wife like to drink wine at night. And after he did that, he's cut back like significantly, you know, he doesn't drink on the weekdays anymore And he even his cute, he got his little like non-alcoholic beers and like, we'll drink them sometimes instead. And what he realized though was like, for him, he wants to lose weight because he has to take pills for his high cholesterol
1: or Mm -hmm. maybe it's
0: high blood pressure, excuse me. But that's, you know, that's scary. And he's getting to the age where you really need to worry about that stuff. Yeah. And he was, him and my mom both were always in very good shape. My mom doesn't really drink. So that's never been an issue for her, but You know, now that he's older, um, that's a big thing. And one of the things I remember, I think I recorded it and even put it in our story on thousand hours. It was like, he was like, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even realize all the bad snacks that I was eating. Like when I was drinking. Wow. And it's all of those little, it's the little things. It's the ad, I call them like the add ons that people don't Mm -hmm. realize it's all the money that you're spending, not even on alcohol, but all the things kind of that are linked to alcohol, all the little treat you know, tree branches that come off of it or all the yeah. food you're eating afterwards that, yeah. that can cause weight gain or, you know, all the bad decisions that you're making after you've been drinking that you wouldn't be doing sober. And it's, it's, that's what I think a lot of my money went to that. It was like Ubers because it can drive food, yeah. hangover food, urgent care, like you name it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I I remember losing a pair of $200 sunglasses when I was oh. drunk and having to like replace those. Like,
0: that's the worst. like that. I like, yeah, I, I think it was, I was laughing because I had to go get a new iPhone because mine wasn't charging. And I was like, this is the first like new iPhone I've had to get ever. That wasn't like, because I like smashed it or threw <laughs> it or like lost it at the bar. That is. Yeah. Which was just. I, that was a reoccurring theme, like literally probably every month to two months, I was getting a new phone because it just like, was my thing to do, which was just so stupid. But Yeah. yeah. Money totally, you know, like I might as well have been burning it.
1: Yeah, I cracked a phone screen when I was really drunk one time and had to replace it. I also I lost my phone legitimately two times, like when I got drunk. And left it outside. Ugh. And I'm not kidding you. Somehow my ass got so lucky and found it the next morning. Like one time it was literally like 10 miles away from my house sitting outside. And I was able to find it the next morning. And I was like, girl, you did not deserve this. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think about all those things. And, and I think, unfortunately, stuff like that, like it validates our drinking when we're doing it. Because it's like, oh, well, like it could have been worse or like, Mm -hmm. you know, and that that for me happened a lot because I would get like super blacked out and just end up in weird places or like rack up my bar tab or lose my phone or, you know, and for me, like I would get, I went to jail like a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was getting arrested, I was getting hospitalized and my whole validation for all the other nights were, well, I didn't go to jail.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: you know it wasn't that bad tonight. Like maybe I screamed at somebody, but like, I didn't lose my shoes. So it was like, yeah. I had such a low bar and that I think almost hurt me because if I wasn't getting arrested, those were the only nights where I really thought like, okay, I have a, I have a problem. Yeah. And it wasn't until for me, like I got arrested and then I got fifty for like the second time. And and was but I couldn't leave. So that was the first time that I had only I'd been there like 72 hours, not just like overnight. Wow. And I really, you know, I sobered up and was able to be like, what the I really can't leave. And this was like in bumfuck Virginia, too. So like, I'm sitting there with a bunch of rednecks. And like, I, I come from redneck family. So like, no offense, if you're a redneck, yes. like, trust me. But I was just like, oh, my God, like, I'm ruining my fucking life. Yeah, you know, and I literally can't leave. Like I am somewhere I literally cannot leave. And that was scary to me, because I'm claustrophobic.
1: Well, in life. And, and just like, kind of realizing that like, you took actions, like maybe that you don't remember that kind of led up to that too. Oh, all the time. And I, I think yeah. about that
0: now. And that's what's so scary about alcohol, I think. and And for me, like the drugs I was taking, I think people don't realize that, like, when you brown out and when you black out, what's actually happening in the brain? I think people think, oh, like, I don't remember. Yeah. It's like, no. What actually happens is your brain no longer processes those memories. So, like, you're basically an empty tape,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not recording anything. So, like, you will not get those memories back because they did not happen. And that, to me, is the scary part, especially as a woman. Like, the sexual assault Like I've 100% been sexually assaulted and I've woken up and left that bed and thought nothing of it. Wow. You know what I mean? Like it was so normal back then to just wake up, not really know where I was. And then I felt guilty about it. Well, it's my fault because I was so drunk and I went home with this person. But it's like, no, this person took me home.
1: Yeah, I wasn't
0: coherent. Not exactly. And and that's the college culture. I mean, that's the percentage. That's the highest of sexual assault is on college campuses and it's just yeah. frightening. And I, you know, I hope if you're listening, you've had that experience, like know that it's not your fault. And if I yeah. can go back, I wish that I had confronted people and I wish that I had gone to the school about it because I think there's, there's still so much shame and you, you, you feel bad, like, but it's not your fault. Like yeah. you're somebody who probably needs help. You might have a drinking problem, you know, and you, you're a victim here.
1: Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's, I mean, I just I can only imagine that other people have experienced something like that. Well, I, I think it's not something that I've really ever
0: talked about with anybody but my therapist because, yeah, it's such a you know hot topic and the whole oh well you didn't remember what happened so how do you know? Well, yeah. if you're waking up and you don't have any underwear on, yeah. I think you know. Well, and it's, like, at what point can you give consent? Exactly. Like, if I don't – if I wake up and I'm in somebody's bed and I don't remember what happened, like, I think it's safe to say, you know, whether it's even making out. Like, that's so non-consented. So it's, like, it's it's so scary. And nowadays, like, there's such creeps out there. Mm. And, like, you really need to protect yourself as a woman because the world is – you know, it's a scary place and we're not equal in the physical manner. So it's like, yeah. maybe you're a jujitsu master or something or Krav Maga and like, <laughs> but I know I'm not,
1: Same. you know,
0: so like, I tell my boyfriend that like when he's like, Oh, well, why don't you go for a walk by yourself? It's like, I've been assaulted in my own home. Like I'm not going anywhere alone. And yeah. it's scary that that's my personal experience and that's Sophia that I live with, but it could happen to any woman, any man too. But really, mm-hmm. you know, especially females, like you have to be aware and you have to protect yourself. And it's one hundred percent not your fault if you've been drinking and somebody, you know, assaults you or somebody harasses you. But I know that since I've gotten sober, those I haven't been in anywhere near as many situations to be in in danger.
1: You know, yes. because I'm
0: conscious of what's going on around me. And if I feel uncomfortable, I leave. Yes. You know, your 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 spidey senses are dulled when you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, you want your spidey senses.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's like you almost drink to let your guard down. But then if you let your guard down, it's so easy to end up in a situation where you don't have control. And you can be in a compromising situation like that. Yeah, so I mean... Besides that, and what I mean, and, and your
0: experience over the last 18 months uh, to, to men, to women, to, to everybody, I mean, what would you say to somebody who's listening right now and is who's over curious or who is in and out? Like, what advice would you give them?
1: I think just really the biggest piece of advice is reflecting on like, the person that you want to be and the role that alcohol plays into that, because I think for me, once I realized that those two things didn't line up, like drunk Haley was not a representation of myself that I wanted out there, and I think as soon as I realized that, I I was able to free myself from it and really take control and just start to get comfortable and kind of create like who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up. And so I think just like, asking yourself, is this something that's really serving me and like the person that I want to be? And if it's not, it's probably going to be the best decision of your life to just remove alcohol, because it is not something that you need. I love that. So I mean, we'll wrap that up there. But if you're
0: listening, what our advice to you would be right now is just ask yourself. And this could be applied to many things. But like, Is what you're doing serving you?
1: And Mm -hmm. I think
0: if the answer is no, then it's time to take a break. Yep. So thank you so much for coming on with us, Haley. Thanks for having me. Of course. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can reach you?
1: So I am on Instagram. You can catch me on the Thousand Hours Dry page on Wednesdays. But my Instagram handle is just Haley Dekel, H-A-I-L-E-Y-D-E-K-L-E. That's typically where I hang out. I am also on Pinterest and love to pin like alcohol-free lifestyle inspiration. So you can also find me there.
0: Awesome. And she's one of our hosts for 1000 Hours, our Wednesday host. So if you follow us on Instagram, you can also find her through there. Yes. All right, Haley. Thank you so much. (laughs) I hope you have a good rest of your night. Thank you, Kayla. All right. Thank you everybody for listening and make sure that you tune in next Thursday for our next episode of the dry life podcast. Bye. Bye.